0: Here is singer-songwriter, broadcaster, audio-video artist, entertainment agent, and your host for the Dharmic Evolution. It's the master storyteller himself, James Kevin O'Connor.
1: Hey, thank you, Susan. Always good to be with you guys again on the Dharmic Evolution. A um, couple of things I want to just mention real quickly. I am um, opening a show for my son's band called Dr. Scientist from Austin, Texas. And they are playing at Tavern Off The Green in uh, Morristown, New Jersey on October 29th at 9 p.m. And I'm opening the show with my son Trevor on guitar and me on guitar. And then the following evening in Boonton, New Jersey, uh, Johnny's Tavern, same deal, 9 p.m. If you guys are around in that part of New Jersey, stop in and uh, I'd love to see you. So let's get to our artist of the week. We've got somebody really special. Of course, we only have special people on the Dharmic Evolution. This young lady first gained recognition on YouTube in 2011 when she was inspired by comedic group Axis of Awesome and posted a medley of popular songs titled Greatest Song Ever Written. The song was quickly picked up by Reddit, Buzzfeed, and Tumblr, and to date, this video has over one million views. She has since released one full-length album, two EPs, and numerous singles. Her book-inspired music includes songs based on The Dark Artifices series, The Divergent series, The Lunar Chronicles, Harry Potter, The Hunger Games, The Fault in Our Stars, The Shatter Me series, and many, many more. She's also written several commissioned custom songs for books and book series. coming from nashville and now back in georgia continuing to write and release new music she's also started writing her first young adult novel and she wants to thank her listeners for continuing to support her dream of writing meaningful music and she's doing so by strapping up her seatbelt and taking a ride today from the music city all the way to georgia ladies and gentlemen it is beth crowley Okay, so how was the move?
2: Oh gosh, I mean, I don't. Is there an, is there such a thing as a move just being great? I mean, I feel like the best you can hope for is that it it was fine. Um, so yeah, so we've been here for a little over a month now, um, coming down from Nashville area down to Georgia, and we're getting settled in. Uh, my husband and i are the kind of people that just want to like get things done as quickly as possible so we really had done a lot of our unpacking within the first few days and now it's kind of just like little details and um still waiting on like a couple of things cuz everything's so crazy right now with stuff being back ordered so it's like we ordered a dining room table a couple weeks ago and it's not expected to get in until september and just stuff like that everything's just the timeline on everything right now is just off so So yes, but I'm finally finally starting to calm down. Things are finally you know taking shape, and now I can start focusing on writing some music.
1: Yeah, moving is just a torturous um, situation. It's really because I kind of did the same thing, very temporary, but I moved at the same time you did from Nashville, and I'm back up in the Northeast. So so what was the? Did you guys like just feel like you belonged back in Georgia? um, instead of Tennessee? Was that, was that kind of the feeling or?
2: We liked Tennessee. I'm from Georgia. Um, we both went to school at the university of Georgia. And so, um, I think just really, you know, this past year and a half, like I didn't, you know, cause I wasn't around in this area. I didn't get to see my family and I didn't get to see a lot of our friends. And I think it was just, I think a lot of people had that moment this past year of being like, why am i away from things that are important to me if i don't have to be so so the i'm still planning on going and i've already done one of these trips That uh going up to nashville to record and i've got kind of my whole team of people up there but um you know personally it definitely feels good to be closer to family and just our people and some familiarity and we really liked nashville but um, this, this feels right. Feels like the right move for us.
1: So did you move, um, to Tennessee, like right before the pandemic or had you been there for a while?
2: we have been there for a while. So yeah. we moved there in 2013, I believe. So we had been there, um, you know, by the time we left, we'd been there right at eight years. Yeah. Uh, and it was a great, I mean, it was a great place. I worked with just some of the most incredible people i was very very fortunate and um we just never like really plugged into a friend group i would say that's as strong as the one that we have here um and then you know like i said my family's here so my sister lives about 20 or 25 minutes away from me and she's halfway between me and my parents who if i went straight there it's about 45 to 50 minutes and so um yeah i mean it's just really nice to be able to Uh, One of the things that was important to me is I've never been able to hang out with my sister and have like an adult friendship. Um, Because, you know, the dynamic is so different between siblings and especially sisters when you're growing up. And we were uh, I was a freshman in college when she was a freshman in high school. So we never like as, you know, teenagers or adults have ever been in the same place to really, you know, hang out. And that's been really fantastic.
1: You know, it's it's funny because uh, I moved there like right before the pandemic, <laughs> so it was the perfect storm of all right. Now I got this big house so that I could have you know family members come down and visit me, and so that wasn't happening. And then really very limited, if not no, social life whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it takes so a
3: toll. It really, it
1: really did, does. but but I I really feel and embrace your point about family is so important. You know, like you just you don't know how much you miss them until they're like you don't have them around you. And you realize what a blessing it is to be have that close proximity, you know, to be able to connect and just hey, let's just go get a cup of coffee or something and catch up, you know, mm-hmm. twenty minutes away. Um, yeah. Let's kick things off by um, getting into your music. I'd like to play Storm Chaser for everybody. Here we go. <laughs>
0: To a parallel world, one where you still love me, and I never got hurt. Oh, and you tell me I'm yours. Mm-hmm. What wouldn't I give if I could have one more taste of the dream that I stifled but can never erase? Oh, but that's not how.
1: I love the beginning of this with, um, you know, I love the effects coming in, but what a great melody and what a great song. Really, I love this and, and I want to talk about the production, but first, um, let's um, get into the metaphor of, of the song itself and why Storm Chaser, like what, what is the song actually about and yeah. where, where were you when you wrote, wrote it? Do you remember the circumstances surrounding the ideas that came to you?
2: Yeah, so I mean, a lot of times with my songwriting, especially now being, you know, a married adult that doesn't have a whole lot of, like, drama to be able to use as a source for songwriting, I love coming up with different scenarios or hooks or even characters in my head of, like, what if I wrote a song that was about this perspective? And I think um, that one originated with... um, Like, what if I am just trying to recreate a masterpiece from memory where it's like, you know, uh, it's never gonna be like exactly like the original. And so I was thinking about that as far as a relationship of like, what if, you know, somebody just has this kind of gold standard in their head of what, you know, the perfect relationship was and they don't have that anymore. And they're still just like chasing that Um, And it was cool because I actually, with this was the first song that I ever really sat down and filmed myself writing it. Um, So I have a video up on my YouTube that kind of checks in with um, like different points in my writing process of being like, okay, like I have this bit, I think it would make a great chorus. And then like what was going to be the chorus turned into a verse. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I'm really excited about this part. And it's like, well, I think that actually might be a bridge. And so it's the first ex- first time I've had the experience of really trying to be conscientious about like filming the process as it happened. Um, but, you know, I love I love lyrics and I love language. And I just had, you know, the imagery for the song of, um, you know, where storms are like very impactful and sometimes terrible. But I was fascinated by the idea that there are people that actually seek them out. Like they get some kind of, you know, reward out of like going to these storms rather than going away from them. And so, um, so yeah, I just kind of took like a couple of different little metaphors and, and ran with them. And I try not to be too heavy handed when it comes to like stuffing a million different, you know, metaphors into one song but those were kind of my two starting points and then I went from there
1: how was the um the experience when you looked back at the video of you watching yourself working was it was it the first time you did this because that's a really cool and brave thing to do you know most people would say no I'm not gonna do that. that's crazy how, yeah, how did it, it, was, it sit with it you was really interesting. yeah
2: it was interesting because of like watching the things that ended up um, from the very start still being the same in the final version of the song versus the things that ended up changing a little bit or, like, the lyrics that I didn't quite have yet. And especially when you get... Because I don't think I really watched any of that footage until I was done writing the song. So it really was interesting to go back and, and see what was the same, what was different, um, you know, kind of watching a few of the moments where something clicked and I, I finally, like found a chord I was looking for, found a little, you know, a rhyme or something that I hadn't been able to figure out. And so it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's interesting to, to watch yourself back and I'm kind of used to it because of doing YouTube and stuff. I see myself on film fairly often, but I'd never seen myself like that to like in the creative process. And it was, it was really cool. It's um
1: it's, it's kind of like the old jigsaw puzzle thing. And, um, you know what you said at the outset of of this particular part of the conversation. You were you weren't really sure about what is a chorus yet, or what is a bridge, or where where everything's fitting. So um, let me ask you about your process. Do you do this strictly pen and paper and instrument in hand, or did or did you like start laying down tracks and say, well, let me let me link, let me just shift the bridge back to where the chorus was, and vice versa. How did you compose it? Just you know, the old fashioned way?
2: I hardly ever sit down and write at my piano. It's usually something if I'm like, in the shower or driving where I don't have anything to distract me, and I'll come up with some little like, lyric snippet with a melody. Um, and then, you know, a lot of times I'll like, bring it to the piano and figure it out. But very rarely is it like a you know, sitting down and, like, this is the time that I'm going to sit down and write. So um, there's a lot of, like, voice memos. I, I do a lot of voice memos on my phone of, like, you know, things that I've come up with. And my general rule is if I um, come up with something and record a voice memo of it, if I still remember it the next day, then it's probably hooky enough to, like, be a good starting place for a song. But if I if I can't remember my own Thing, 24 hours later, then I can't expect people to remember it either. So, um, so yeah, so it's a lot of, it's very like chaotic and sporadic and piecemeal. And I would love to say that I'm somebody that, you know, is a Dolly Parton and can sit down and write, you know, Jolene and I will always love you in one day. And, you know, is just like, can just Crank it out like that, but uh, but no, it's usually over the course of a lot of days, and it's like a little little bit here, a little bit there, nothing like formal or organized.
1: Yeah, that's I I, I can feel you on that because uh, the older I get, the longer I take to write songs, and and I think it's I think it's a good thing because as you mature more and more, um, I, I think the writing gets better if you don't you don't rush it. And I've spent six months, a year on a song. I mean, I write a lot of different songs, but you just keep coming back to them, you know, and find out. So I'm going to throw a challenge at you and say, okay, you know, I love the fact that you get the inspiration when you're doing other things. I have that same situation. It's when I'm running or hiking through the woods, and I never have any electronics. <laughs> so I guess the key is how do you hang on to these ideas? Um, Do you ever find yourself in that position like where you really got something juicy um and you're like how am i gonna how am i gonna like remember this do you have any tricks for that
2: i mean like i said i i'm like if i if i'm not available like if i don't have anything available to get it to get it down immediately if it's like you know 30 minutes an hour for you know whatever Afterwards if I can't remember it then it wasn't good enough. Yeah, I mean right. that's the standard that I hold myself to is like if I can't remember it It must not have been meant to be
1: yeah yeah, I use the, uh, Tony Robbins taught this to me years and years ago as an anchor trick. You come up with an image and attach that image to the idea. Sometimes it works and, and sometimes it doesn't. And speaking of writing, so you are multidimensional. You do a lot more than just, you know, singing and songwriting. Um, you're writing books and you're working on your first novel right now. Is that correct?
2: Yes. Yeah, so I have a full manuscript and I've got seven songs that I've written that go along with it. And there's some kind of retooling and revising that I want to do, but I'm currently in the process of doing some editing. Um, it's obviously been like the worst timing ever to finish a project like that. But I did do some of the querying process of trying to see if you know there's an agent that would want to represent me. But I, I took a step back from that just because everything of the last year has been so up in the air. Um, But yeah, I mean, my ideal situation is to be able to, um, you know, traditionally publish this book and have the soundtrack that goes with it and, you know, be able to tour and actually play like have a book tour and play music at the same time I think that would be such a cool format for touring
1: that is a great idea yeah I've been working on something similar but I I like the fact that you have that and especially with for fans who can get more of a um, slice of who Beth is and what what you're about you know not just the songs but if it's all attached to a story a book and you know one feeds the other so it's kind of exciting to have that
2: when it just it made it was a logical next step for me because so many of my songs are based on books and TV and just media that's you know other than music. And so it just it just made sense for me to uh, try my hand at it myself.
1: Yeah. Are you, um, are you doing any performing, uh, in Georgia or do you have, since you guys just moved, I I guess it's a, a difficult question to answer right now, but, um, do you have plans, um, to take your music out, um, to clubs or venues, um, in Georgia?
2: It's not top of my priority list. It's been really interesting, um, because the, the format that I've already always used is putting stuff out online. Um, which is a blessing because it means that you can reach people that you would never be able to do if you were just playing local shows. But it also means that like people are so spread out that having like having a enough of a concentration of people that would come out to a show in one specific area can be kind of difficult. So I've never really relied on live shows and live performance. I much prefer to be able to do stuff online and reach more people than just a handful and not have the stress of you know, so many venues are like, how many, how many people can you guarantee? And I'm like, well, I feel like nothing, you know, people's plans are not in pen anymore. It's always in pencil. So it's like, I can, you know, I can hope for the best, but I found it really stressful when I was doing live shows to feel like you're being held accountable by a venue for how many people you can bring out when it's not necessarily something you have a ton of control over. So, um, so yeah, I mean, if it happens kind of naturally, if the opportunity presents itself, I'm, always happy to be able to share and perform but um but it's not it's definitely not something that i'm going to be trying to like organize or seek out anytime soon i'm pretty pretty happy and fulfilled with just being able to kind of do everything online
1: well it must have been um kind of a blessing to turn around and say oh wow i started this years ago and now we have a pandemic so you know you didn't miss a beat um and to your point about reaching more people, I, I agree. It's very, you know, it's like, you know, you go to a club, a small club, and, you know, if you're lucky enough to get 25 or 30 or 40, even 40 people, I mean, that's, that's really good. But when you can reach hundreds or even thousands because they're all over the globe, you know, that really like what you're doing, um, it's time much better spent because you'll have more time to write more songs too
2: yeah exactly and and i mean especially being in nashville all of the you know i did some of the like writers rounds and things like that and i feel like you know first of all you're always almost calling in favors to try and get your friends to come out you know people you know to come out and see it and then then everybody that's there is just so like you know focused on waiting for their turn yeah um so it just doesn't feel as impactful as something like you know uh live stream show where anybody, anywhere, I mean, it's, it's always the the funniest part of it. The challenging part is trying to figure out what time of the day to do it because, uh, you're trying to account for so many different time zones, which is pretty wild, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's always more fun to play to people that actually know your stuff and, you know, I've been listening to it for a while. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope that I'm in a position someday where I would be able to have, you know, a series of shows and not have to worry about you know, nobody's showing up for them. Cause I've definitely been there where I had a, you know, a show that just nobody came to. And that's very humbling.
1: Yeah, <laughs> We've all had those, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about, uh, the live streaming now, now you've got a great YouTube channel. I was checking out your videos earlier today and, um, uh, you know, awesome job on that. I, I love Thank the you. way you're using you know, your, the content that you're presenting to people, it's very, very authentic and real and people can definitely, you know, so relate to that. So when you do live streaming, Beth, are you using specifically YouTube or do you use, you know, other platforms, use Facebook or how do you, you know, how do you divide up where your attention is going to be placed?
2: Yeah. I mean, I've done a little bit of everything. I got really ambitious for a while towards the pandemic. Like I think everybody did where it was like this weird I I don't know I feel like creators had this weird feeling of responsibility to take care of other people because everybody was collectively going through such a hard time and turning to things like you know music and tv and film and so there was this almost added pressure as a musician to provide for people to provide something that made them feel better. So I definitely overdid it towards the beginning of the pandemic and said, I'm going to do two live streams a week and I'm going to, you know, do it on Instagram and then I'll do it on Facebook and then I'll do it on YouTube and burned out pretty quickly on that because, you know, just like everybody else, I was trying to like wrap my mind around what was happening and, you know, cope with the uncertainty and anxiety. Um, But it's been it's been a little bit since I've done one, um, but they definitely, it's interesting that like between YouTube, Instagram, um, Facebook, they definitely all have their own vibe and seemingly different audiences. Like uh, I feel like, uh, you know, the audiences don't necessarily intersect as much as you would think between all of the platforms, um, but it does need to, I mean, now that I'm like starting to settle in, I definitely want to see if I can get on a more regular schedule of doing um, live streams. But I don't know that there's like a a platform that I would like pick over any of the others, because it did feel like I was getting different audiences with each or like some people would even, you know, I did them back to back to back and some people would even, you know, tune in for all three. And so, um, so yeah, so just trying to figure out like, what time of day to do it and you know that's a lot it's a lot to do basically the same thing three times in a row so i haven't cracked the code on what the best uh, best way to do it is but that will be definitely one of my challenges for myself yeah that yeah. was going
1: to be my next question is um you know data points on like you know have you gotten into like do you have more men than women and and the time and all that all that type of detail I know facebook's really good with that you know studying metrics on all that but um do you have like a sort of a sixth sense on what feels best for you like which platform
2: yeah i mean i think it's been i mean i've been doing it this way for such a long time that it has been a lot of trial and error of like what time of day do people engage the most and um I've kind of settled into a schedule that seems to work for me. And so it's not really something that I actively think about a ton anymore. Like I used to, when I was still trying to figure it out, but it was just, I don't know. It's just a sensibility of like, it's not just the metrics. Like there is something to be said for uh, quality over quantity. Um, so, you know, when was I not necessarily even reaching the most people, but like, when was I reaching the people that cared most? Um, so yeah i mean i've i've kind of figured out like days of the week and time of day to to post things but um yeah i mean it's, it's like i said it's not something i've really like actively thought about and looked at the data for in a long time because i just kind of set in, set my you know set up a routine and have stuck with it
1: yeah and it changes so much too all these social media platforms you know by the time you get them figured out it's like Wait a minute! Yeah, you open up definitely. the screen one day, and what is this? It's all in Chinese. I don't. I don't even know what's going on anymore.
2: It's definitely a moving target. <laughs> yeah, it's only moving target.
1: Um, why don't we play? You're exhausting. You want to set this up? I love the title. I mean, that's set, It just speaks to me that I just started laughing when I saw the title. As that is great. It
2: was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> it was the kind of thing that that was my working title, and I brought it into the studio, and uh, my producer Daniel, who I've worked with for years now. I was like, all right, this is like what I've been calling it. And he was like, no, that absolutely needs to be the name. And then it was very important for me for it to be in all caps because it just, I don't, it just fit. Um, but yeah, so you're exhausting. Every so often I love to do cheekier songs. Um, you know, it, I feel like sometimes I fall into these like very serious. I mean, it's like Storm Chaser where it's like, you know, very like heartfelt and serious and that's not the zone that I'm in all the time Um, so I love you know putting out songs sometimes that are just very like sarcastic and so this was definitely one of those of just um, you know basically telling somebody in your life that is just repeatedly toxic like oh my god like you're exhausting like I can't I can't with this anymore so that was a that was how your exhausting was born.
1: Alrighty, cheeky as it is, here is your exhausting... Production on your work is really, I mean, I love the songs and, you know, your vocals are really killer and great production. You mentioned Daniel. Who is Daniel? What's his last name?
2: Daniel Dennis uh, Uh and his studio is Prime Cut Studio. And I found him, um, I think the first thing that we recorded together was early 2014 and um i literally had just done a google search of um producers and studios in nashville that didn't just do country music since i don't do country music right um and came across like his site and listened to some of the stuff that he had done and so we did a single first and then i decided to do an album project and i mean we've just kind of been going at it ever since like we um i mean it's so great when you've been working with somebody for that long because one of the things that I love about him is that it's so collaborative. I mean, I sit I sit there through the entire production of the song and it's very much like a very much play an active role in it of like, you know, let's listen to like all of these different like drum hits and see which one is the best or, you know, play through all these different synth pads. And um, and I think you have to, especially in, in the music industry, like you have to have a certain... Um, like level of not having an ego uh, to to be cool with that, with you know the artist sitting there and being that like opinionated and specific about the things that they want, and he has always been like that. And um, you know we've 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 really enjoyed kind of watching the stuff that we've done together grow and take shape and. Um, You know, it feels like a huge accomplishment, kind of some of the, the numbers that we've been able to do together. And I mean, it, it just I, I jokingly refer to him as my work husband. Like, I couldn't imagine doing this with anybody else except for him, because at this point, we just have such a like, you know, chemistry when it comes to building a song. And he's always like the one that we just finished working on I was in Nashville last week um and i came in and was like you know i I really want to do um like something very reminiscent of like early 2000s female pop rock like you know michelle branch that kind of stuff and so we did a deep dive on that and you know love how that came out and so he's just always down to try like whatever i have in mind for it and it's just it's it's a joy it's a joy to work with him.
1: yeah don't you find that the um The more talent they have, in most cases, the more humble they are and more Mm -hmm. open to collaboration. I mean, I found that myself on Music Row. I've had a lot of good experiences with with just that. And um, and to your point about longevity, working with somebody over and over, you know, you get to know each other's personalities, which uh, really I think the music gets better and better over time uh, with that happening. You know, they start to know your 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 musical roadmap. You know, and it's yeah. like, all right, I, this is this is really going to work. Um, so, 2013—that was your first project, your first album.
2: Um, 2014. 14. It released fall of the. I did a single early 2014, I think, uh, or late 2013, and then my first album project came out in 2014.
1: So that was with Daniel, correct? Mm-hmm. The first one. So let me ask you: when you when you finally came to mix down. Um, how did it feel to you like going in with a blank slate and saying, you know, you're always hopeful and, and is this going to come out right? And I'm not sure. I mean, how did, how did it feel like at the mix, the final mix?
2: I mean, it was so great because I actually set out to make an EP and I did, um, I did it fan funded through Kickstarter. And so the intention was to make a, you know, five, maybe six song EP. And I got enough funding to do an entire album. So there was already a sense of like pride and accomplishment in the fact that enough people believed in my music, which, you know, I had really only released like home recordings at that point. Um, but they believed in my music enough to, uh, you know, put money towards this project. And so, um, you know, it was like definitely gratifying a little bit of added pressure because, you know, especially when that many people are very like, you know, confident in you you want to make sure that you're delivering um but yeah I mean it was the same kind of thing where it's like being part of it every step of the way I mean it's almost like listening to a scrapbook because you can remember like you know oh I remember like the day that we had the like strings players in or like you know the first time that I heard um you know different musician on one of my songs and just how like incredible that was and you know the the places that we went for our lunch breaks to go eat and so it, i mean it really is like there's such a interesting you know combination of like being so like satisfied with the music but also all of the memories and um associations that come with the experience and so i'm just really grateful that i think that's probably something that not everyone is lucky enough to have that they not only have an album that they really believe in, but they had a great experience doing it. And so just everything about it was, uh, more than I could have hoped for.
1: And was it, was it shocking to you that all of a sudden you're sitting there like you're, you're essentially co-producing, you know, your first work. And, uh, you, you seem to be very, very comfortable with that.
2: I mean, it definitely didn't start that way. And I mean, it's funny, like I, I noticed so much of it. I'm so I've, got so much more knowledge now and I can, and I don't think there's anything that I look back on that I'm just like, oh my gosh, like it's so cringy to listen to. Because, like I, I still stand by everything that, you know, I've put out since the beginning, but it, it, it's interesting to listen back and be like, oh, I know so much more now. Like I know so much more about the production side and I definitely feel more confident with knowing what I want. Um, and, you know, fortunately with like working with Daniel early on, like he was such a good person to, um, help me figure out what I wanted. And then a great, you know, transition to like, now I I am more assertive and I know what I like and I know what my vision is and I know what I want and can bring that to him and, you know, he makes it happen. So it's, it's cool watching and like hearing the growth that I've been able to have over the last seven years
1: did you um have an engineer or was daniel engineering the sessions he's,
2: yeah he's the full he's the full thing yeah. um we had it mastered by somebody else the that first project but he does a lot of his own mastering too yeah um but yeah i mean it's it like so many you know producers in nashville it's like his you know studio that's in a separate building at the back of his house and then, you know it's a pretty kind of low key operation which i you know i feel like definitely made me feel more comfortable because you know it takes away a little bit of the pressure of going into like you know studio where tons of people are there and you know you're on the clock and you know yeah like i i think it was like the perfect first experience to make sure that i didn't sour on the process to the point of not wanting to do it anymore
1: yeah yeah what do you you have a very busy schedule i can tell by all the things you do um you really hustle And what do you do Beth to have Beth time? What do you do for downtime? What do you do for chilling out? Are you a, you a runner workout read? Like, what do you like to do to just kind of get away for a little bit from all of the relentless creating content all the time?
2: Yeah, I, um, yeah, I love to decompress by just like watching something on Netflix, because it's a great way to, because like, that's, you know, and I'm sure you can relate to this. But when you are your own business, there's never really like off the clock time no. unless you really like there's there's just always even if you say I'm gonna take a break, you you know in the back of your mind there's always something else that you could be doing. Like there's always something else that you could check off that to do list. And so I find that just like watching a show on Netflix is when I can, you know, turn off the most effectively. Um and then I just, you know, especially now that I'm uh, here and a- around a lot more friends and, um, families, like just scheduling stuff to go do with like social things to go do with them. Mm. So I would say those are my two big things. Cause I mean, even with reading the fact that I, um, you know, write so many things based off of books, it still feels like there's at least a little bit of a work component to it because I am, you know, enjoying it, but also thinking like, is this something I could be writing, you know, something inspired by in the future? And, um, so yeah, so I have to work pretty hard to like to to step away and actually stop thinking about all of the million things that I have going on and that I need to do.
1: Yeah, it seems like the demarcation point gets so blurred because, like you said, even reading, which I love to read, and I sometimes I get where well, I was four or five books going at, at the same time, which is silly, and I I I stop that and I focus, but there's a certain level of research that's going on underneath all of that because, well, why, what was the impetus for why I bought this book? Oh, that's because of, well, I want to learn more about podcasting. I want to learn more about songwriting, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But there's some reason why, you know, I want to be in that author's head. There's something I want to gain from that. So it goes into research instead of relaxation, you know, so, um, you know, I've been doing like going in the woods and running and things. I, I was a yo- hot yogi for like 15 years until the pandemic came. And then
3: mm-hmm.
1: my fiance's, uh, she's a, you know, she does all the marathons. So she started training me as a runner. So it's like, all right, well, I'll do this. This is fun. But I think you need to do something to get like to yeah. just because I think being away from music sometimes is very healthy um, or writing just just even if it's for a day or two, um, sometimes you come back and. Like wow, you pick up an instrument like wow, I paid that played that so well and I hadn't played in a couple of days or three days or four days. And what happened? How did that happen? You know? Let's talk yeah. a little bit about that. Your your main instrument, Beth, is it is it piano or is it voice? Mm-hmm. What would you I consider?
2: would say I mean probably fifty fifty. I mean, yeah. I took piano lessons for a decade. Um, up through high school. At this point, I mostly utilize it to uh, accompany myself. Um, and then, you know, really, I, it, it just feels like the, the vehicle for the song. So, you know, I wouldn't necessarily put myself in the category of vocalist or you know pianist. Like, I, I just would say songwriter. And those are kind of the vessels that I do that through.
1: You know, you've had so many successes in your young life. I mean, the fact that you fan funded your whole album, that's fantastic. I mean, that's just so many people, you know, say they're going to do that and they don't do it or whatever, or, or, or try and fail, you know? Um, so that's amazing. Where do you see yourself like in the next five years? Do you have like, um, do you have that laser thing that you got dialed in that you can figure out like, where are you are going to be? Like, what, what's your goals or more of the I- same?
2: I think some, like, I feel like most of the things um, that have been the most interesting in my life were things that I hadn't anticipated happening. Hmm. Um, I want to do this as long as people still listen. I, I love doing this. Like, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to get to do this as my job. I never in a million years thought that that would be, you know, possible at all. So um, I, I, love, I love creating. Like, there's such a like such a high that you get after you you know come into the studio with just the bones of a song and then you like come out with this fully formed, you know, piece of art. And I just, I love that feeling and I love the process. And I just want to do, you know, some iteration of this for as long as I can. And, um, you know, hopefully down the road when it stops being my time to, you know, be the one, performing then I would love to be able to help people like me that you know think that that there's just no way that this is like a, a an actual career that a person like a normal person can have especially doing it independently without having you know a team of people behind you making things happen for yourself and I'm always you know anytime anybody has like questions or wants any kind of advice i'm like i'm certainly not an expert but you know i've definitely picked up some some tips and things so i you know i hope that i get the opportunity to share that with people that want to do the same thing
1: great as we're as we're winding down here um best place for people to connect with beth crowley would you we're going to put of of course all of your uh, links in the show notes but like, do you have a preference? Should people reach out to you on Instagram or YouTube? Or where's your preference? Or it doesn't I mean, matter. I'm
2: probably the most active on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. Um, I feel like Instagram definitely is more interactive. Um, you know, YouTube tends to be a little more one-sided. Like, you put out the, you know, the video. And I'm not great about, like, going into the car. Co- I, I have this thing where I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by, like, answering one person's comment and not getting to everybody. Um, you know, the other thing that I would say is I do, and it's linked in or it's uh in the description of all of my videos, is I do have a PO box. Um and anytime anybody sends me something through my PO box, like I always write back and respond. Um but yeah, I mean uh Facebook, Twitter, I mean I, I dabble in Facebook and Twitter, but I would definitely say um, Instagram for just kind of like what's going on in my daily life. And then YouTube for keeping up with the music. And Spotify. I mean, Spotify is great, too. So,
1: Okay. Any last uh, words of wisdom? Do you want to shower anybody with a blessing? Anything you'd like to say to our collective audience, um, especially the younger musicians coming up in this time of, um, you know, really difficult time? Um, Anything you can say to inspire and help them along their journey?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I would say the biggest thing is don't go for that, like, um, you know, instantaneous, uh, you know, viral moment, like build a foundation, which takes time. You know, if you're building a house, you build a foundation and you, you do it slowly and carefully so that you can have the rest of the house be supported by that like it doesn't it doesn't have to have to happen quickly and if you stick with it and you work hard then you know it's it's not like a guarantee that stuff will happen for you but it certainly increases your chances but you you have to make things happen for yourself you can't sit back and wait for them to happen
1: amen Beth, thank you so much for joining us today on the Dharmic Evolution. It was a real pleasure to learn about you, your music, um, all the things you're doing with your book. God bless you on the novel and everything else. I mean, this is just, the I'm sure there's so much more coming from you in the future. So just want to wish all God's blessings on you, your family, and your wonderful career.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
1: Okay, check out all the show notes for all of the social links for Beth. And also check out the Rising Dharmic Stars playlist. There's three of them in there. If you've been a guest on this show, I bet your music is on one of those playlists and you don't even know it. That's a wrap for me today. I'm your host for the Dharmic Evolution, James Kevin O'Connor. So until the next time when we meet again,
3: I'll either see you on the socials or I'll see you from the stage. to take a ride with me ride on ride on we can untangle all the mystery if wishes were windows i'd open one and find that freedom is really a simple state of mind So ride on, ride on, baby, won't you take a ride with me? Ride on, ride on, we can untangle all the mystery. Ride on, ride on, baby, baby, you and I can find the key. Ride on, ride on, we can unlock each other's destiny. I taste the breeze of It's tingling on my tongue I'll take your places that you've never seen. I'll take your places that you never dreamed. I'll take your places that were pictures in your mind. I'll take your places. Ride with me Ride on, ride on We can untangle all the mystery